the GOP's everything but laws will still lead to gun control and more. I'm Monica Perez, and this is today's Deep Dive. Here's the headline we're diving off today. It's from Fox News. Texas school shooting. Crucial week for possible gun control bill after decades without major federal action. Senators to meet on possible background check, red flag law deal, but face major hurdles to compromise. So this is about stuff getting through the House? Doesn't matter because it's got to pass the Senate and it's got to pass the Senate by enough votes to not be filibustered. So they need 10 Republicans on board. There's no reason for the GOP to go along with that. I feel like this stuff is all a setup and I'm going to explain. Now, I haven't covered the Uvalde, Texas school shooting. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. I did cover the Buffalo shooting last week. I try not to give these things too much airtime for a lot of reasons. If everything is what you see is what you get, you don't want to give them this kind of airtime. It's my belief that most of these school shootings, no matter whether they're encouraged, they're organic, I don't know, exploited, I mean, I could opine on that, but regardless, they get a lot of airtime, and I think they get a lot of airtime to build up a public mood, but most of them aren't really meant to result in policy action after that incident. It's a build thing. Build, 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 build. This might be one of the ones, like the one that happened in Connecticut in 2012, that is meant to yield some results. But keep in mind that the one that happened in Connecticut in 2012, if you think back, Obama did a bunch of executive orders after that. They were all pretty much related to surveillance. So it's not always what you're afraid of. And actually, a lot of times, what you're afraid of is what they're putting out there as a negotiating tactic to get a bunch of other stuff. And in my opinion, the Republicans play right along, some knowingly, some unknowingly. But why does this matter to us? It isn't just the importance of gun rights, which probably everyone listening to me does know the importance of gun rights for basically the constitutional protections for our ability to engage in self-governance or maximize our liberty, our ability to really defend ourselves in the here and now. And also, I actually think it's important, but never really mentioned, our confidence in our ability to defend ourselves. If you're armed, you, as a woman, I can tell you, you're a lot more confident. (laughs) You can accomplish a lot more because you're afraid of a lot less. I think that's an important element that people don't talk about enough. But I also think something that kind of goes unsaid, is that when the media, academia, and politicians do a full court press, like really all say the same thing, they come out, they follow the same narrative, even if they're on other sides of the aisle, their basic idea is the same. And if the incident itself is like really over the top, borderline incredible, I think my first thought is that there is a policy goal that is being pushed as hard as it possibly can, it probably really isn't a consequence or even meant to address this black swan event or whatever that big issue is at hand. Because if it were about that, it would be something that garnered a lot of debate. But what you're seeing is the mainstream media, the debate is really on the margins. Which which measures should we take? Which light gun control light or gun control on the fringes or whatever? The Republicans are still saying we need to change policy. And I look at that and I think, 
okay, they're all clamoring for a pretty narrow range of policies. And the only people who are really talking completely outside the box are in the alternate media. And the mainstream media is just flush with the money and power of the powers that be. And they're not after policies because they love you, because they're sitting around puzzling through it. They're these things are prepared. They're ready to go. And I feel like, to me, that's where that's a big flag to me. And I feel like their goals are always ultimately the very biggest picture about increasing their power at the expense of ours. It's a zero-sum game. And when they're pushing policies, even if it means exploiting really dramatic crises, it's not about what's best in the crisis. It's about using that for their own purposes, which are very well-defined and really always end up being funneling the power up to them. And that means taking it away from us. But I don't really want to talk about all that super big picture stuff right now. I think it's important to think about what the actual impact of these particular policies are going to be. And want to alert you to the role that the Republicans play that serves the ultimate gun control agenda, but also a lot of agendas that will be implemented before then, such as general social control, surveillance, that kind of thing. So I've highlighted this before. I call them the everything but gun control approach. So the Republicans will give you everything but gun control. And you're supposed to be happy about that. That's why they'll give you the red flag laws. And actually, Lindsey Graham takes it one step further and he says, I'm not even going to give you a national red flag law. I'm going to give you everything but a national red flag law. I'm going to give you funding and incentives for states to enact their own red flag laws, obviously, in my opinion, because it would not stand up to constitutional muster. But they also have funding to encourage the exercise of these laws, to advertise them and that kind of thing. So they they do these everything but gun control approaches. And a lot of that stuff is really bad news. A lot of it. You've got red flag laws, you've got background checks, you have general surveillance, you have infrastructure changes to make sure there are no niches in schools, no landscaping, clear backpacks, stuff like that. Armed government agents at schools and everywhere else, I'm sure. Mental health initiatives to lower the bar for involuntarily committing people criminalizing certain kinds of speech, encouraging the see something, say something thing. And ultimately, that empowers these rabid social justice warriors to rat on and neutralize politically opposed neighbors or even family members, I bet. Like, I, it's getting to, I guess, maybe because I live out in L.A., like, it's just a fever pitch of by any means necessary and a very strong sense of what is right and what is wrong without really logic, just a lot of emotion behind it. So I think that a lot of those agendas are served by some of the things that the Republicans are after. And these red flag laws are among those things. I mean, that's really dangerous. And I mean, I say I say that red flag laws kill and chill. So I think one of the first implementations of the red flag law in one of the Carolinas maybe uh, an aunt or some family member was mad at this guy. I want to say his name is Gary Wilson, but I absolutely am not. I don't remember for sure. Called the cops, didn't like his attitude or whatever. He answered the door. I think maybe he didn't know who was at the door and he brought a firearm, maybe lived in a bad neighborhood. I don't know. 
And he was totally cordial, but they wanted to take his gun. And he said no, and they tried to take it, and he got killed. So that killed him. But knowing that story, which they publicized, will chill you. You're going to answer the door with a gun in the future? Do you even want a gun in your house in the future? Look up the story of William David Powell from Henry County, Atlanta. He thought it was a prowler. He had his gun, and he was shot to death by the cops in a case of mistaken identity. And what do you think? Don't come to the door with your gun. So it both kills and chills, in my opinion. So a lot of the everything but recommendations had actually already been implemented in Uvalde. They did a lot of the things that Republicans say they could do instead of gun control, such as they did drills, they, quote, hardened the school, there was dedicated law enforcement, school-specific security. They even used these, like, surveillance tools or security tools, Social Sentinel, where they, like, look at the kids' social media and stuff, the Raptor visitor management system. They had federal grant money that went to the states to make sure they could harden these schools. So the Democrats are saying, see, all the things that you wanted to put into place didn't work. We still need gun control. And they're definitely not going to roll back any of these policies that they already have in place. And the Republicans are still pushing these other policies, such as background checks and red flag laws. So they continue to push forward with the everything but. And the way I think that it works is they won't give you full gun control like that basically is enacted in most other countries, certainly in the West, the Western world, they, they're not going to give you that until they've gotten all the everything but. And that actually could be more important to them. This total surveillance, this idea of being able to lock people up to go to their house preemptively, as Trump said, take the guns first and worry about due process later. Just setting these precedents is pretty scary because it undermines our fundamental rights. And we don't want the Republicans acting like they're doing the best they can and you being grateful that you haven't gotten gun control laws and they're putting these things in, which are just a stepping stone away. And when the gun control laws come, I think it will be after most of this or all of this everything but legislation comes down. Two things the Republicans are doing, the red flag laws and the background checks that they're suggesting they may be working workable on 10 to 15 senators, supposedly, which is enough. The background checks, too, are a problem because they are not used in good faith. So maybe the people who are passing them may be passing them in good faith. But my father always taught me, and he was a real like uh, kind of victim of the Red Scare. He would say that you can't have a gun registry because that that isn't just giving the list. He, he literally was worried about a communist invasion. It, it from outside. <laughs> now I'm worried about one from inside. But he said that it was a list that they could use to go find the people who would resist. And they're not coming to take your guns away from you. They're coming to shoot you down. And that's similar with the background checks, I think, is that it's a list. They have the surveillance. They know your profile. They don't need you to go for a background check. But a background check will give them a paper trail that you, yes, pursued looking for a gun. Maybe it sets you up as a patsy. It's not good. It's not good. And the Republicans are going to tell you that it's the best they could do. But they don't need to do anything. They can just stand firm and hold the line. So what the Democrats are doing is 
They're pushing a bunch of stuff through the House, which is unlikely to get through the Senate. They'll use it to get into the Senate and say, here, this is what we want to jam down on the American people. And then a few Republicans will say, wait, wait, let's just do this other thing. But what the Democrats are using is proposals that would raise the age limit to purchase some semi-automatic rifles to 21, establish a federal ban on new high-capacity magazines, and create a new federal firearms offense for gun trafficking and straw purchases. The only time I ever remember straw purchases was in Operation Fast and Furious, where it was the government, (laughs) I think. It said they also have proposals on safe gun storage. They said they would codify a Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives gun regulations from recent years, such as a bump stock ban, which was adopted by the Trump administration, they mentioned. And then it says another regulation it would codify would be a regulation of ghost guns that are assembled from kits or 3D printed so they don't have like the tracking information. So all of those things are just eating away at gun rights, obviously. But one thing that seems innocuous, but I actually think it's really bad, is to raise the age limit. I think a lot of the gun laws, the gun confiscation bans, the places where guns are not allowed, New York City and stuff like that, I think that this erodes what I'm going to coin as either heirloom instincts or heirloom wisdom It's where you inherit an understanding of how to grow food or how to use natural medicine or how to handle a firearm, how to respect it, what those rules are, how to educate your kids, how to raise your kids. As these things keep getting outsourced, pushed out, banned, regulated, mandated, or sometimes they're mandated, sometimes they're banned, as these things get more and more controlled, you lose your legacy understanding of how to use them as a part of your culture, your autonomy, your liberty. And by liberty, I know it's a really, it's an expression that's overused, but I mean your ability to be autonomous, to make your own decisions. And that isn't just theoretical. That's something that has to be asserted, I have learned over the past couple of years. So you need your, you need to know how to make food. You need to know how to use a gun and be safe around guns. Your kids should know how to be safe around guns, for starters. And the further we push these ages up, the more immature our kids get in these specific ways. And that's it's like swimming. You want the kid to swim as early as possible so that he is in the less danger. So I don't like that. And I think they know that that is what the impact of these kind of things are. So they will say, look, these are all the things we want, and the only thing we can get out of Republicans is the red flag laws and the background checks and all that. And that builds a bridge. It's like a classic negotiating tactic. It builds a bridge for the GOP to walk across, and then they get what they want, which are some major inroads in regulating the use and market for guns. And also, really, both of those is about really putting individuals in danger by identifying them as having guns and giving a reason or a justification. It's my old thing where you have your resistance-grade weaponry and then you have your target-justifying weaponry. So keep your guns and we'll just come by when we're worried about you and we'll have carte blanche. So 
that's what I think is coming down. That's where I think the Republicans, one of the ways that I think the Republicans really play into this. But there was another thing that was weird about this story. Now, I did not totally dig into this story the way I dug into Buffalo, the way I've dug, dug into many others. So I'm not, I'm not sure what all the fishy stuff is. I'm sure there's a ton. And I'm sure many of the great creators on Rockfin have probably dug into that. And actually, you can join Rockfin through rockfin.com slash propaganda report. So there was, however, one big red flag for me about this. And it isn't, it, it has to do with the drill that took place at this school in March, 2022. Now in the old days, a drill happening was a flag that it would go live or something like that would happen. That happens a lot. That used to happen. But now drills happen so often that that's not enough. But what is interesting is when there's a specific detail in the drill that happens to be the thing that went wrong here. So what went wrong here was something that the drill analyzed in March, and it makes me wonder if they're toying with us or not. So let me give you a little story on what happened, and then I'll tell you how the drill folds in. So if you're following like what went wrong with the police going in, one of the details, if maybe the main detail, the story changes so much. Uh, anyway, the small the small town police chief made the wrong call, and he called this a barricaded shooter, I think was how they phrased it, rather than an active shooter. And with a barricaded shooter, it's assessed that the danger comes from sending cops in because that will spark a firefight. If it's an active shooter, you have to send the cops in. But if it's a barricaded shooter, you wouldn't send the cops in. So he actually triggered the opposite to be done. And as I was reading it, I knew they weren't going to throw that guy under the bus. And just some sense I got was they'd be like, well, he's just a small time guy. He's a small town cop. How could he be expected to have such a sophisticated ability to discern? He's got no experience. How much was he trained? And then I realized, of course, that's their excuse to want to bring in feds on stuff like this, to want to have specific federal police forces on the scene or interacting with regular cops on a normal basis, on a regular basis. And then it occurred to me, that is why that weird detail about the Border Patrol agent being the one to save the day was so important, because that's a fed. Feds are more competent. Feds are needed. That's the message that I was hearing. And then the drill, the detail about the drill was that in the drill, they actually practiced, discussed, trained for discerning between a barricaded shooter and an active shooter. So that's so crazy. It's like a red flag to me. It's like a dog whistle to me, somebody who sees through that stuff. But what I think the bigger message, and they're fine with that, in my opinion, But the bigger message is we trained this guy specifically for this thing, and it's just not enough. Training isn't enough. We need the big guns, quite literally. So it's weird also that the mainstream media will never say, like, isn't that a weird coincidence? Is there any chance there's any funny business at the top here? And that thought is unthinkable. So no journalist would ever write it. Like, there's absolutely no chance. Even though they'll tell us that that is absolutely true for someone like Putin or somebody like Trump or Muslims. You know, they'll tell you that there are tons of people who are totally capable of this. But you would never expect anyone in this scenario to have anything to do with it. It's unthinkable. So it's undiscussable. But I would say in order to keep it unthinkable, let's say it isn't true. In order to keep it unthinkable, do not 
allow policy to be changed as a result of one of these black swan events, as a result of something that a lunatic crazy shooter does. You don't want to feed into the motivation, not just all the fanfare that surrounds this stuff, but that laws get changed, society gets upended. So you you never want to respond. The New York City subway thing was the worst. It was where the guy said, I don't like crime in the subways. And there are too many mentally ill people in the subways. And they immediately, after he supposedly killed people, they immediately started talking about policies that would address his concerns. <laughs> like, you don't want to do that. And then there was one other way that the Republicans, I felt, were paving the way for this stuff. And that was that Texas abortion law. So here in California, Newsom came out with a law he said was going to mimic the Texas abortion law, but be used for gun rights to to push back on gun rights. And the Texas abortion law was where they empowered people who were not actually damaged or even at all concerned with an abortion. And it gave them financial incentive and power to sue certain parties who were involved in the abortion. Now, under the principles of tort law, you have to have standing, which means you're involved in it, and you have to actually have experienced damages, and that's how you get rewarded. This upturns those, and I really like those features of tort law. It helps prevent nuisance suits. It helps regular people from being constantly bombarded with this crap because somebody doesn't like you. And the only time that I'm in favor of greater standing is when an individual is suing the government. Then we should have standing to sue the government. And funny enough, we have less standing to sue the government. <laughs> Look into the 2020 voter stuff in Georgia. So I never liked when the abortion laws were using technicalities to undermine the spirit of the law. Because when you start doing that, then law is not very transparent. It's not very accessible to the average person. You have to have lawyers. They start legislating laws that are trickier. Precedence, common law, case law, which I really like, isn't sufficient. They'll overread it as being too specific. And maybe there'll be calls for more what's called a priori legislation. And I don't like that. I think I like the way the common law system works. I like that you have to have skin in the game. I like that someone has to have actually damaged you so you can't just badger someone endlessly for exercising liberty that had nothing to do with you, didn't hurt you. And I feel like that has been a real trend with the Republicans and the GOP lately, is that they're paving the way for these destabilizing legal precedents and those will be exploited by the Democrats and were probably fostered by the Democrats. I'm assuming that a lot of this stuff is infiltrated. If you talk to people in some of these movements, they'll tell you that does seem a little weird sometimes that some of the stuff these people do, it looks like they've, they might not be working for the cause as you are. So that's something interesting to think about. And then there's one final agenda that I found. There are actually numerous other agendas, but I would say there's one final agenda that I think is worth mentioning that Whoopi Goldberg came out and, and was going off on the AR-15. She said, well, I'll limit your rights the way you're limiting my abortion rights, but just give me your AR-15s. You can keep everything else. Now, I don't know why when the vast majority of gun murders are handguns, I don't know why she cares about the AR-15 and the way she's going off on it, it seems very clear it's not her idea. 
But I remember a conversation. I did a live stream with Grant, the survivalist, which I think we're going to make a montage. It was pretty long, but I want to put it in the feed as some of his the highlights, a highlight reel. <laughs> we'll do that. And he pointed out the reason they're always, I think it was the AR-15. He said the reason they're after it is that it's the most common ammo. And they, A, don't want you using their ammo, and B, they don't want you to have access to ammo. And that's why they buy it all up immediately. The government uses it, and they just want it to be for them and not for you. And he did highlight specifically that gun, and that's what she was highlighting. And then I stumbled upon, right on the heels of that, what Biden said. He said, we should ban nine millimeters or something like that, because 22s, if they lodge in your lung, you can get it out and maybe save a life. But a nine millimeter will blow your lung out and there's no hope. And there's no reason for that from self-defense perspective. And we should just get rid of it. So meanwhile, let's see. This was, I think, a lawmaker responded with the nine millimeter is the most popular self-defense round in America and the caliber of choice for Biden's own secret service. Biden's ignorance is a threat to our constitutional liberties. But it was just weird because that was Grant's exact point. So the nine millimeter is what the government uses and it is very popular. And that's the one that Biden is after. It really folds into that. And that was just preposterous anyway. Or it actually plays into how all of the gun talk is about upping the power of the government and reducing our power and handing over the power. So I think Scalise said, well, you can't go after guns in an era of defunding the police. So even he, as a Republican, is stipulating that it's their power versus ours, and it's kind of equivalent, and you can give it to the cops. No, no, no. And this also goes to one of the themes that is definitely emerging about body armor. So in the Buffalo shooting, they said, well, we got the guy, but he was wearing body armor. So the person who tried to stop him was killed, and the shooter was not killed. So you have to bring in the element of stopping power here, but they make it clear that what they're saying is they want to be able to take you out with no resistance whatsoever, and they want to make sure that you can't take anybody else out. (laughs) You know, there isn't real stopping power. It's highly diluted. But the bottom line is I think it might go to the ammo conversation that we had with Grant. So I'm going to try to get that up into the feed maybe next week. So I don't know what's going on here. I don't know where the legislation is going to come out. I don't know if there are going to be lame duck Republicans in the Senate at the end of the year. It looks like the Republicans, as usual with midterm elections, are going to gain in numbers. But like a lame duck would be somebody who might be more easily paid off to vote for something that he wasn't elected to vote for. But we will have to see how that all unfolds later in the year. With that, I want to let you know I've been a little remiss in telling people about meetups, especially the Higher Side Chat meetups. There's one tonight, June 1st in Seattle. There's one July 3rd in St. Louis. If you want to keep up on the THC meetups yourself, that's just a fantastic crossover with our audience. It's HigherSideMeetups.com. No punctuation, just HigherSideMeetups.com. I wanted to throw that out there. I also wanted to let you know that I just put up the June newsletter. So please check that out. I've got cocktails and book recommendations, links to shows. If you want to donate, I do have production costs and would appreciate that. You can do that there. That's on thepropreport.com. And then just as a kind of parting thought in that reflection on what the Republicans are doing and how people were psyched when DeSantis was like, we're banning private people from acquiring vaccination cards. And I I get that. I really got it. But 
I always worry about the slippery slope of violating fundamental laws or the impulse when you're desperate to fight fire with fire. If that is using process to undermine fundamental legal principles, and you're doing that from a position that you think will ultimately serve liberty or at least keep the bleeding down, I would suggest that the other side is probably tricking you into a fight that they know that they will win. But I will concede one thing to the minarchist camp, that we are living in a world with a lot of laws. And the process, the Bill of Rights, and all of these processes are actually our defense against that apparatus that says that it is justified by the laws. So this is one of those cases where I think libertarians die by the sword, but they don't live by it. That we should, you don't want to violate the fundamentals or upturn the fundamentals of tort law. You don't want to do that. And when you do, it's going to start that slippery slope. And those guys, the other side is going to be ready for you. So I think it's always it's always time to refresh your understanding of and dedication to the principles, especially when there are events that appear to reveal problems with those fundamentals. I would say you can always look back and say the problems were in violating the fundamentals in the first place. And we'll be talking about that as as these shows continue. I'm Monica Perez. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it on social media with someone you think would also enjoy it. And feel free to tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.